Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Certain credit factors have always been a part of credit risk analysis. Whilst environmental, social, and governance factors have been known to impact companies, their relative importance with respect to credit has been increasing. Stakeholders are becoming more aware of the impact of sustainability on businesses and the impact of businesses on stakeholders and the environment. So to tell us more about what sustainable credit is, and what it covers. Joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Philip Buff, Investment Manager of Developed Markets Credit at Pictet Asset Management. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining me today. So let's just get into the basics of it. How do you define sustainable credit? What does it cover? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question because regulators themselves uh, haven't defined that yet. Um, but I think uh, from from our view, one way to look at it, there's two ways I, I would define a sustainable credit. Mm-hmm. I think the first one could be uh, focusing on the use of proceeds of the bond. And, and here I would focus on sort of green social and sustainability bonds that fit that criteria of a sustainable bond. The second way I would say is to understand um, the sustainability profile of the company by focusing on their revenue profile and alignment to both uh, green and social uh, revenues for us. Mm. Uh, sustainability is not only about the environment, but also about society. Mm-hmm. And just to give an example and to provide some guidance, a credit could be considered sustainable if sort of more than 50% of its revenues align with the green or social objective. This is just a rule of thumb. I still mm. think that sort of over time, companies should be moving towards 100% of revenue alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this alignment could be, for example, to the energy transition, to the circular economy, water quality. And on the social side, it could be alignment to, to decent work, mm-hmm. um, living standards, and also inclusive and sust- sustainable societies. But I think at the end, what's important when we think about sustainable credit um, is to, to think about both the use of proceeds of the credit of the bond you're, you're giving the company and also the sustainability journey of the credit. They go hand in hand mm-hmm. and limiting sort of your analysis only to the use of proceeds, I think, would not provide you with the full picture. Mm, okay, okay. And in 2022, when both equities and bonds, they were having a very hard time last year, global investment grade credits, they delivered higher yields than equity. What's the outlook of global IG credits this year as the market expects rate hikes to ease? Yeah, I think it's a very exciting time uh, mm. for global investment grade credit, especially since last year was probably one, if not the worst uh, year right. uh, on record for, for global fixed income. So we're, we're really entering a year where this presents us with once-in-a-lifetime opportunity if we sort of discount the 2008. Uh, we do think that sort of rates are, are stabilizing, and we do think if a recession comes, it will likely be, be shallow, which should uh, lead to credit performing well um, mm-hmm. this year. Okay. Uh, we also think... Um, that taking on duration will sort of act as a, a strong lever in terms of total return. If we think about sort of both on an absolute level with yields above 5% and on a relative basis, global investment grade is attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, this is the first time in the last 10 years um, that global investment grade yields more than a high dividend equity fund. So mm-hmm. credit is actually quite attractive versus equities. And that uh, differential, uh, to be precise, is, is currently above uh, one percentage points. Mm-hmm. 
we also think that um, if, if credit spreads uh, tighten from here, we could see a year of global investment-grade credit delivering sort of mid to high single-digit returns. Mm. Um, but what's more, more important is also the starting point of this year. Um, it's also the downside protection that, that, that global investment-grade credit can provide. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we look at break-evens, it's just a measure of downside protection. Right. Uh, we think that spreads or rates need to widen quite a bit for you to suffer negative returns this year. So the outlook, I would say, is, is actually quite good for fixed income and global IG credit in general this year. Okay, I see, I see. So what would you say is the value of a pure credit approach in tighter financial conditions? Yeah, very, very good question, especially as we as we enter sort of more of a recessionary environment mm-hmm. uh, and more sort of a, a possible rates volatility. But we do think that history has shown that sort of when we enter um, periods of economic stress, uh, a pure credit approach is where you as an investor have a look through on the bonds and issues you hold in the portfolio and also avoid sort of a opaque securitized credits, which were in vogue in the last sort of few years. Mm-hmm. I think what's important also is for a daily liquidity fund, the transparency and liquidity of your holdings in this environment is important and sort of the importance of a pure credit approach. Mm. We do think that once rates have stabilized, uh, we expect also fixed rate bonds okay. to outperform floating instruments. Um, we also think, again, duration can act as a powerful lever mm. uh, in terms of total return. And if we look at sort of what's going on with, with the real estate market, in the U.S. and sort of a cooling housing activity, we do think this can also spill over at some point to asset-backed security. So just keeping it simple in a pure credit approach can really shield you from some volatility and, and, and sort of show that you're not holding any hidden risks in the portfolio. Okay, okay. Then, I mean, if that's the case for pure credit approach in tighter financial conditions, what is then the upside for global sustainable credit? What's the outlook of the ESG-labeled bond market? Yeah, no, very, very good question. Again, I think in terms of upside, it's hard for me here to to sit with you and, and sort of say there's there's upside for global sustainable mm-hmm. credit when we look just at sustainable piece. But I think what's important when we think about global sustainable credit is that it has shown to to better manage volatility and drawdown compared to a non-sustainable strategy. And this mm-hmm. is especially true when looking sort of at the March uh, 2020 drawdown period where a sustainable focus strategy can manage drawdown up to four percentage points um, better. And mm-hmm. I think um, to your second question in terms of what the outlook is, is that the demand for sustainable bonds remains quite strong. Mm. Um, and we also think it's an instrument to manage volatility better. We are also seeing global central banks, especially in Europe, are more and more focused on, on such instru- instruments, which creates also a, sp- a strong positive technical mm-hmm. in the market. Uh, we also think from an investor-based perspective, um, they tend to be stickier for such bonds mm. and also have a deeper understanding of the underlying credit story they hold. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily become um, forced sellers in, in volatility. And also the, the flows and fund launches, especially in Europe, uh, remain quite supportive uh, for a global sustainable credit strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking more broadly, I think if we tie a bit of the macro to sort of the ESG-labeled bond space, um, we can't forget that the future sustainability will be funded by debt and Mm. and not equities. And we are seeing strong inflows in in sustainable credit strategies um, from our institutional and wholesale uh, clients in the market in general, led by by Europe. But we do expect the supply to continue to grow, Mm -hmm. led mostly by green bonds. Um, There's also research undertaken by the IIF that estimates sort of 4.5 trillion U.S. dollars Mm. on an annual pace by 2025. Obviously, this, this study was done sort of before the, the rates volatility, but we can expect at least a trillion per year going forward. So I think this will 
will help the sort of um, sustainability aspect um, uh, going forward. Um, but, but ultimately, uh, if I may just conclude on this point, is mm-hmm. that we do think that ESG label bonds will become to, to fixed income what um, battery electric vehicles are becoming to the automotive industry. It will, will take some time, that transition, but it will be natural. And we do think it is the, the future of the fixed income market and will become sort of a common market practice to take a sustainability analysis into account when looking at bonds. Okay, okay. So, I mean, how do you factor in the sustainability and evaluate ESG performance in the credit selection process? Yeah, here I think it's important, um, given regulation is still evolving over time, um, is to have conviction and a clear process. I think that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. to to really be able to demonstrate your clients that you're clear with what you're doing and why you're doing it and that you can demonstrate that on a a consistent basis. So the way we do it is uh, we have established sort of a proprietary scorecard that encompasses Mm. around 50 um, uh, KPIs in total, but they're tailored to each industry and also weighed differently. I think it's important when thinking about sustainability that you have a different approach for for each uh, sector. So for instance, just to give you an example, um, the social KPIs will be more important for Mm. for the healthcare industry, Mm. whereas sort of environmental KPIs will be more important for the basic industries. Mm. But it's important that it's equally important, the sustainability analysis to a fundamental analysis, Mm. and it's led by an investment team. I don't think it should be the role of a third-party data provider or an external team. It should be the role of the investment team. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important, as I said before, to have your own conviction. But I think it's also equally important that the investment teams um, are committed to engaging uh, with portfolio holdings and not just doing an analysis and being sort of a lender to the company through the sustainability journey and not be a trader um, to 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 the company and, and, and coming in and out of bonds on a daily or weekly basis. So that's how I would sort of characterize our, our, our selection process in general. Mm-mm. Okay, okay. And just a quick question before I let you go here. I mean, the issue of ESG has been quite a big trend these days when it comes to investing and etc. But there are risks that come along with ESG like greenwashing. So how can investors mitigate around these risks? You know, it's, it's a very good point, and I think one point that everyone is focused from the from from end clients to to fund managers to to issuers in general as well. I think the theme of greenwashing or even social washing is becoming more and more prominent, and it, and it's it is a risk that the whole industry needs to manage appropriately. I think the way, sort of, from a fund manager perspective, uh, one can mitigate those risks is just having conviction in a clear process and demonstrate how you are creating impact in your mm-hmm. credit selection. I think that's that's the best way to to reduce sort of greenwashing risks from a fund manager perspective. And I think the second point is that we, we also need to be patient and understand that regulation is, is still being finalized in a lot of parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that is maybe finalized or, or better defined, um, greenwashing risks or, or social washing risks will, will reduce. Um, so we need to understand that. And it's it's ultimately important to reduce sort of discrepancies around the world that we converge on one standard of what we think is sort of impact investing in general. So here we've seen obviously Europe take the lead, but I think um, Asia and and the US are not far behind and we'll be doing um, a lot over the next few months and, and years as well. And it's important that we all come together as an industry and really reduce that risk with the help of regulation, but also having conviction mm-hmm. and, and demonstrating that um, through your investment process. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Philip, for your time and your insights today. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you. We've been speaking with Philip Buff, Investment Manager of Developed Markets Credit at Pictet Asset Management. Stay with MoneyFM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.